Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. flows in the veins freely of the, of the home church. Amen. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to ask you to join me here today and just ask God to touch our heart and our mind together. Amen. I just uh, pray that God will help this come out like I feel it in my heart. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes when you put a cake in the oven, you just hope, hope it comes out right, right? And uh, so I just pray that this will come out right. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 38. The Bible says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land or a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophet were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, "Set Set on the great pot, see the pottage for the sons of the prophets. Now, I don't want to just belabor the issue here, but I want us to get the setting, if we can, that it's a time of famine. But in the time of famine, the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and in a time of famine, he said, I want you to make something to eat. Amen, because we're going to feed the sons of the prophets. One went out in the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not so they poured out for the men to eat and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said O thou man of God there is death in the pot and they could not eat thereof but he the prophet said then bring meal and he cast it into the pot and he said pour out for the people that they may eat and there was no harm in the pot amen And with the help of the Lord, I want to try to bring this story to life in our heart and certainly apply it to where we are today. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and for letting us be here today. I ask you, God, to let the anointing of the Holy Ghost touch my heart and mine. Strengthen us today in this holy house and let your authority and your presence be with us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. To grasp, I think, the significance of this story, we really have to understand a few things about the story. Uh, I think we, obviously, one thing that's very, very important when you're sitting down reading the Word of God, especially if you're pulling out a story of the Word of God, you need to read around it and kind of get the context and the setting of of, uh, that particular unfolding. And so I want to underline two significant things Uh, figures at the center of this moment in time and that is nonetheless Elijah and Elisha it's very important to understand that in the ministries of Elijah and Elisha 
that nearly everything they did, and most certainly the miracles that they did, were done against the backdrop of, an, of a very idolatrous hour. And they were, uh, they were saturated and they were immersed in the worship of Baal. And, uh, and so what they were doing, you know, we, we read these powerful things that happen in these men of God's lives and we think, wow, what a cool thing to have been alive and well in that day because we kind of look at that as though they were doing all this at general conference. But it was anything but general conference. They were in the midst of an extreme, an extremely idolatrous nation and among idolatrous people. They stood against the worship of Baal, which made them an arch enemy. They also stood up for the righteousness of God, which further underlined and, and lengthened the enemy list. It's also important to understand the climate of which they ministered. The people, the people that they were ministering to, including the leaders, had abandoned the Lord and they had abandoned the word of God. Now, we're not talking about some people that we don't know or would not recognize them, but this was the Lord's people. And they had abandoned the word of God and they had abandoned God himself. If you have ever read in the, in the old, through the Old Testament and you come to the book of Deuteronomy and well into the book of Deuteronomy, you come to chapter 28. In, in chapter 28, the Lord promises the children of Israel, he promises his own, that if they were faithful to obey him and if they would stay true to his word, that he would bless them. And the Lord spends, or the writer of, uh, here in, in Deuteronomy, spends 14 verses describing the blessings of God that would befall them if they, were just be, if they would just serve him and love him. Just, can I just say it this way? If you'll just do what you know to do. If you'll just do what you're supposed to do. This, this, he didn't throw another rule book on the desk. He didn't throw something else at them. But he, you just do what you're supposed to do. Make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Don't bow down and worship their gods. And if you'll not do those things, then he spends 14 verses describing, the first 14 verses describing the blessings of the Lord that would come upon them. However, when you begin to read in verse 15, he says, if you disobey, and if you go after the idolatrous gods of this nation, then you're going to be cursed. Now, when you, when you get to the curses, there's 14 verses of blessings. But when you get to the curses, the Lord starts cursing them, not curse words, but he starts pronouncing the curse that would come over them in verse 15. And he doesn't stop until verse 68. Amen. It's a pretty significant thing that we're, that we're talking about. And it's alarming to read those passages of Scripture, especially because when you're reading Deuteronomy 28, there's absolutely no break. You're reading about these blessings and you're going, wow, wow, wow. Man, that's awesome. God is going to do that. And then all of a sudden, without any warning of verse 15, but if you fail, then you begin to read that. And it's horrifying as you read. Verse after verse after verse uh, in these passages of Scripture Amen, and I, I want to be sure to underline that God was not overreacting without a cause. And we have to understand that Israel had been chosen by God, not because of their looks, not because of anything, uh, but other than the fact that God had chosen them to be custodians of his truth. 
Now, if we can, I want to just go ahead now and start merging this story with us today. Amen. God has not chosen us because of our education. He hasn't chosen us of our, our looks or our wealth or our social or economic status, but God has chosen us to be custodians of his truth. Amen. Custodians of his word. They have been chosen by God to be a witness, not to just one another, but to be a witness to, of, to, uh, of God's power to other nations. And so the Lord said, I'm going to send you in and you're going to live in houses that you didn't build and you're going to be in a country that you didn't necessarily, you didn't till this ground and you didn't cut down all these trees and, he, and you're going there. I'm not just trying to bless you, but I want you to be a light to other, gener, to other nations. And so if Israel was then going to fulfill their purpose, they would have to disclose or they would have to, to uh, speak against the false gods of that nation. And that fact would be made clear by God. Amen. They're going to have to stay true to God because God's going to bless them if they obey and God's going to curse them if they disobey. Now, if you, if you go to the book of Leviticus, and uh, not now, but if you went, were to read through the book of Leviticus in chapter 26, you will see the, the, the law of God that is set forth in both the blessings and, and the cursing. The cursing is described in multiple layers of, of discipline and I don't want to belabor the issue here with all of that, but he just said, I'm going to do this to you much kind of like the plagues that came against Egypt when the children of Israel were being led out. I mean, the Lord tried one thing that didn't work, but there's another layer. I'll add something else and if that doesn't work, I'll add something else. And so it's somewhat kin to that if we can consider it in that light that God would bring curses upon Israel one after the other. He wasn't cursing them to curse them. He was cursing them in hopes of bringing them back. Amen. And so this discipline was going to continue one layer after another until they repented or until they got to the fifth layer of this discipline. The fifth layer of that was going to result in them being held captive. And so God was not playing games. I'm going to give you many chances to turn around, but if you won't turn around, then you're going to be held captive, amen, and, and God is going to curse you. There's going to be a hand of God that is against you. And so one aspect of God's blessings that he demonstrated with his power was the blessing of rain and the blessing that the land would be productive. And I'm going to just read this one verse because uh, I just want you to see this with your own eyes. Leviticus 26 and 4. He said, then I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And so he said, if you'll just do what you're supposed to, I will bless you. I will bless you to the degree that I'll give you rain in due season. I'll give you rain when you need it. I'll give you rain so much so and so timely that the field will yield its increase and that the trees will yield its increase. God was saying, I am in control and I will bless you. Now that was a critical promise. You know, if we just kind of blow through here reading our daily reading and don't understand the context of it, you miss much of the magnitude or the weight of the scripture. This was a critical promised by the Lord because Baal, who was their God, the God of this nation, Baal was proclaimed as the God of thunderstorms or the God of rain. Baal was 
was, was the one supposed to be the God that would bring rain. And he was supposed to be the God that would bring productivity to the land. And so the miracles of Elijah uh, and the famine, much like the days of Elijah, disproved this because God stepped in and said, Elijah said, there'll be no more rain. And so God was just showing them, I am in control here. I am in charge here. You need to understand. And it proved that Baal could not supply the need of the people. And so in place of rain, they didn't just have rain, but they had a drought. And so if we would think about it in this light, basically the real problem then is the same problem we face today, and it is a battle over the word of God, the truth and the substance of the word of God. Can I pause here today to tell you that we can take him at his word? If the Lord has made us a promise, I can hold on to that promise. Amen, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul when he said, an angel has stood by me this night. I realize the rain is blowing and the winds, I realize the circumstances. Amen, he didn't say this from a ballroom. He didn't say this from the luxury of some five-star hotel. He said this in the midst of the storm, but he said, an angel stood by me tonight. And an angel said, if we'll just stay with the boat, that no one is gonna lose their life. And so if mankind does not listen uh, to the word of God and obey its truth, because you see there's twofold there. We can hear the word of God and then walk out and do whatever we want. But if we hear the word of God and if, if we do not hear the word of God and obey its truth, then, then, then automatically, can I tell you, even though it may be gradual in some cases, but automatically we begin to take on the values and the belief system of the world that we're in. If we don't allow the word of God to be the compass and to be the centering point of it all, then after a while what goes on in the world just don't bother us. And can I tell you today that many of us in this building have lived long enough to know that just a few decades ago, I'm not talking about preachers and Christians, I'm not talking about people that have been in church forever, I'm talking about just raw, red-blooded Americans would never have stood for some of the things that are going on in the streets in the open, in the broad daylight around our nation, there was a moral compass. Even if somebody didn't have a spiritual compass, there was a moral compass. So I'll tell you today that when we don't touch, trust God's word and we don't obey God's word, that we just little by little just start taking on the values of the world around us. Amen. And when societies go this route, when societies make this turn, I will assure you that they become like this pot of death that the scripture is talking about. And it was for this purpose that God raised up both Elijah and then Elisha. They were mighty prophets of God. And God would use these men to perform mighty miracles. And these miracles were not just for show, but these miracles were to validate the truthfulness of God's word. And it was through these men that the Lord sought to turn Israel back to his word and away from the idolatrous cult and, and the nations that they were in. And as always, let me remind you, miracles that were performed were not just to impress people. Amen, I wanna say it again. He wasn't just entertaining the troops. No, no, no. Amen, when the miracles of Elijah and the miracles of Elisha took place, amen, they were performed to not only validate the 
the messenger of God, but they were performed to validate the message of God. Amen. The miracles were first and foremost signs to validate that Elijah, amen, he is my man. And Elisha, he is my man. But in order to validate that message, amen, they had to understand and rise and acknowledge that God is God. Amen. Though the nation as a whole had turned away from God, amen, uh, as a, in large part they had turned away from God, but we always need to remember something. God is going to have a remnant. God's going to have somebody, I'm going to tell you, we can say the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket, but I'd have to raise my hand and say, not not all. Amen. Somebody can say everybody has thrown down their values. I'd have to raise my hand and say, not everybody. Amen. Not, not everybody. Their God has always had a remnant. And so while it looked like this nation at large had turned their back on God, while it looked like this nation at large had completely abandoned the principles of the word of God, the Bible does declare that there were at least 7,000 that had not bowed their knee to Baal. Amen. They had not worshipped at his altar. They had not abandoned the word of God. Amen. That included at least three schools of prophets. Amen. Now the school of prophets, if I could just use this illustration, were somewhat like what we might refer to today as a seminary or a Bible college. Amen. And so they were there that they could be taught the word of God and trained in the word of God. And one such school is in our text here today. And it was found at Gilgal. And Elisha, the Bible says, had returned to Gilgal where the school of the prophets were located. And it was a time of famine. But even in this time of famine, Elisha realized this is a wonderful opportunity. This is a great time to just show, amen, these future ministers of the gospel just how powerful the word of God is. Amen, I think it's important to understand, it's important for us to never forget that this all took place in the land of promise. Amen, it was the land that God had sworn to give Israel and he stood by his word and he gave it to Israel. It was the land that God said in Genesis 11, if you'll go, I'll supply. He told Abraham, just go, it's there, flowing with milk and honey. He promised to bless the land. He promised to make it fruitful if Israel would just obey the Lord. Amen, but God had also promised that if you do not obey me and my word, then you will be cursed. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verses 23 and 24, amen, this is part of the curse. He said, and the heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. And the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder, and I'll make it dust from heaven. Shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed? He said, if you'll obey me, I'll let it rain when you need it in due season. If you'll obey me, I'll let the field bring forth every everything that it possibly can. Every tree will bring forth to its optimum. Amen. But he said, but if you disobey me, then the heaven that is over your head will be brass and the earth that is below your feet is going to be iron. And he said, I'll let it rain, but the rain is going to be dust and the rain is going to be powder. I'm going to tell you, God was serious. 
Amen. God was serious. It was a literal drought, which is a very serious thing. Amen. The real problem, however, was not the drought and the drying of the vine and the dying of the trees. The real problem was the spiritual famine in such a godless society. They were seeking to live without the inspired word of God. Can I tell you today, we can't make it without the inspired word of God. Amen. I appreciate those kind comments today. Amen. Let me just add to that if I may we ought to pray and amen pray if you will that God would anoint my mind and my heart every day amen let us have an inspired word of God I don't want to just get up and open the Bible and read a few verses amen in a dry formal fashion but I say God meet us in this pulpit God meet us in this holy house because we need your inspired word to touch our lives Amen. There are some principles I think that we can gain from this. When, when nations turn away from the Lord, it only reaps the things that it has sown and it brings judgment of God. But let me, let me remind us of all, let, let me remind all of us of another fact that, that when God curses a nation, even the godly are left to suffer. Amen. When the prophet of God said there'll be no rain for three years, it wasn't raining over his house. He walked through it as well. Amen. They, they, they felt the sting of that. They felt the, the, the pulling of that. And, it, and even as, as it is with us today, amen, that we are ourselves even today, right now, suffering to a measure of, of the debauchery of sin that is running rampant in our nation. Absolutely. Amen. If we think all this is taking place over there across the road and it doesn't affect the temperature or the climate of our house or our family or our lives or our marriage, we're out of our mind. Amen. We got to understand that today it's, it's, it's unsafe for us to walk down many streets. I don't care how full of the Holy Ghost you are. I got, a, I got a message this morning. Uh, I received a message this morning that one of our pastors in Guatemala on Thursday night when he was walking out of his church was shot and killed right in front of his church. Amen. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost, but can I tell you that, that whatever is going on in the world, we become subject to that. Amen. I know that God, amen, his grace is with us every day and every hour, but there are instances where we realize that it's, it's a famine on the outside and that famine is touching my life as well. Is this all right? Amen. I'm talking about death in the pot. Amen. By the same token, because of that moral breakdown and the spiritual decay, we feel that pinch in our life and that should further serve to remind us of the responsibility that you and I have to function, not to just go through the motions. Amen. We're not here today just to, just to, just to repeat some and rehearse a few songs that we have memorized, to rehearse some, a few scriptures that we may have memorized. But can I tell you that God has called the church to be light and God has called the church to be salt and can I tell you today that light changes things and salt changes its environment amen light is not affected by darkness darkness is affected by light by light amen and I will tell you that salt affects the world it affects that that it, that it comes in contact with and so we are not an anemic body we are not an anemic group of people that are just lifting their feeble hand and saying pray for me that I'll endure to the end. No, no, no. God called the church to be light and God called the church to be salt. Amen. The, the church is a difference maker. 
in a light, in a, in a lost and dark world. The church is a difference maker. Amen. And so we are to illuminate darkness. Salt is not just for flavoring food, but salt in scriptural times, biblical times, was a preserving agent. And so can I tell you that we are to illuminate the dark world that we live in and we are the churches in this nation. Amen. The churches in America and the churches around the world today to preserve these nations from further decay because it's going to be a bad thing when the trumpet sounds and the church is called away because light and salt is going to leave. Praise God. But until then, we have a responsibility to light dark places and to preserve. You know what we're doing this morning? We're preserving the validity of this book that's open right here. (laughs) Amen. We didn't just come here today to get a gold star by our name. We didn't just come here today to, 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 to preserve our attendance record. No, no, no. Amen. We came here this morning. What we're doing is we're preserving the integrity of the word of God. Amen. You got preachers that are standing behind the pulpit today, literally standing behind the pulpit today declaring the word of God and people in the audience that are saying amen. So be it. We're preserving the truth of the word of God. And if you think for a moment that this message and the message this morning is just heard right here in these four walls, we couldn't be further from from the truth because we are declaring God's truth into the atmosphere. Amen. Into the atmosphere of this community. I'm not just talking about it on the world wide web. I'm not just talking about preserving it on a CD or a DVD, but I'm talking about amen, we're speaking God's truth into the air. He said a lot. He said Ezekiel, can these bones live? Amen. Thou knowest, Lord. Thou knowest, Lord. He said, get up and speak to the wind. I'm going to tell you today that if you don't want to hear this message, if you don't want to hear this preacher today. The wind wants to hear it and I'm going to speak to the wind and I'm going to say God in this hour we're still going to be light and we are still going to be salt. Let's clap our hands. Amen. If I can get back quickly here verse 38 the Bible says that the sons of the prophets the sons of the prophet were sitting before him. Here comes Elijah. He comes back into Gilgal. He pulls up to the school of prophets. They spread out in front of him. They were in Bible class, if you please, learning the word of God. And in this context of physical and spiritual famine, Elisha says, set on the great pot, see the pottage, cook a meal, for the sons of the prophets. So Elisha is going to give them an illustration of the magnitude of God's ability in the midst of a famine. Amen. But Elijah had no way of knowing that this illustration was going to take on even another layer of meaning. So he was going to use this as an illustration to drive home some points. First, he was going to meet their need for food. It was a famine. And at the same time, he was going to use this opportunity to illustrate a powerful spiritual truth. The word for pottage refers to soup or stew and, or that which is boiled in a pot, that which is boiled together. It consisted of things generally like vegetables and meat. And there was, I think, an instructional analogy here because the pot is like the world 
then and the pot is like the world now. A mixture of all sorts of things. A mixture in our world today and in that world then. A mixture of religions, a mixture of cults, uh, mixtures of human philosophies and the list goes on and on and on. People then, like people now, were attempting to satisfy their own spiritual appetite. I'll just stay home and do my own thing. I'll figure it out. Me and Jesus have our own thing going. But that's not how it works. Next, they got ingredients for this pottage from the field. And the field, the word field here represents an open, uncultivated area where you can only find that which grows wild. And so here is this nameless and faceless man that was sent to gather the ingredients for the pot. But what he found, unbeknownst to him, in the field was poison. What a clear picture of the world. Untrained in those matters, he mistook poison for something that was edible. Amen, what a powerful picture I'm going to tell you today, there's a lot of poison, spiritual poison in the world. The world is filled with poisonous ideas that may look harmless and and sadly and most dangerously, some of them resemble the truth. Just enough truth. But it was spiritual death in the pot. To be able to recognize this, we need to be trained in the word of God. That's why Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing and connecting the word of truth. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And we need to know what is truth. The story goes on in our text where they made the pot of soup or pottage and then they poured out for them to eat and, and, and unsuspectingly they are being served poison stew. As soon as the effects of this begin to be experienced, they recognize instantly there's something wrong and somebody spoke up and said they're poison. There's death in the pot. So the prophets, they cried out to Elisha. And I think the lesson is clear here today, or it should be at least, that the world is filled with poisonous ideas that are propagated as solutions to our lives. But thank God somebody could recognize there's something wrong. There's something wrong here. To the untrained eye, the man who picked it, to the untrained eye of those who fixed it, it all seemed okay until they ate it and then somebody realized there is something horribly wrong. I think further in this picture we see the church's responsibility. I think the word of God, of course, is the antidote to sin. And as the word of God challenges us, then we, we should hear and heed the words of Solomon in Proverbs 3, 5, where he says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. It should not be lost to us what Elijah did to turn this situation around. And the Bible says that he called for meal. Meal was for the making of bread. Amen. (laughs) And so he said, bring me some meal. Bring me some flour. And 
he cast the meal or the flour into the pot and immediately that poison was taken away. I think what a beautiful illustration this Old Testament story is of how that if you get the right thing, even in the wrong environment, it can change it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Amen, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And so Elisha was not just, he was not playing around when he said this was not some desperate grasper for reach. Amen, he just said, bring me some meal. Amen, bring me some bread. Bring me the bread of life. And I'll put this bread of life into the pot. Amen, when you put that bread of life, which typifies Jesus Christ, amen, that living word, that pot was neutralized. Amen, the written word. Can I tell you that the antidote for the world and the antidote for what's going on in our world is the word of God. Amen, it is the word of God. Hallelujah. I beg you today, don't don't, don't make everybody you work for be relegated to maybe hopefully showing up here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. Amen. We ought to be light. We ought to be salt. We ought to be able to rightly divide the word of truth for ourselves. Amen. You know what's going to fix marriages that are falling apart? It's the word of God. You know what's going to fix lives that have run aground with drugs and alcohol? It's the word of God. You know what's going to fix a promiscuous society? It's going to be the word of God to hear it and to obey it. That that word can change us. That word will change us. I'll ask our musicians to come if you will. The point today should be clear that God's word is the antidote for the death that was in the pot. And so I'm going to tell you today that sometimes we have church and the spirit of the Lord like today just moves and we feel his power and his presence. And I'm always thankful for that because we're emotionally Wired. But can I tell you that when you hold your Bible in your hand and there's no musicians singing and playing and there's no singers singing and you're just holding the Word of God in your hand and the earth doesn't seem to be shaking underneath you, lightning is not streaking across the sky and thunder's not rumbling across the horizon, the Word of God you're holding in your hand is the antidote for the world we're living in. Amen. You see, there is, there is no neutral position. I don't know how to say that any better. There is no neutral position. We have, to, we have to trust him. We have to trust him. Now, I want to just kind of go back in this story just a few seconds and, and remind you of something. I want to play it out frame by frame. They've got a pot of... A, a, Pottage, they've got a pot of soup. They've dipped it all out. Somebody starts eating it. I remember many years ago, my wife and I and another, several couples, we were at a conference and we went out after church to, to, uh, to go eat. And uh, between the services, for, before the evening services, we went to a, a Chinese restaurant and, and we just happened to be with some folks that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's just the truth, but uh, that we had never been out to eat with them that something wasn't wrong. It started with the water. You know, it's always, this water tastes funny to you? And it just downhill from there. And uh, that's the truth. And so we were sitting there and we were eating and I felt like my lips were going numb. But I wasn't going to say anything because 
the person down at the other end had already complained about two or three things, so I, was, I didn't want to be on that team, so to speak. But after a while, my face started getting numb, not just around my lips, my face started getting numb. And, and it's apparently, I don't know if we just ordered the same thing or what it was, but I was feeling those same symptoms. <laughs> I just didn't want to admit it. And finally, when I could deny it no longer, I said, I'm feeling the same thing you're feeling. And uh, we got horribly, horribly sick. And, uh, man, I didn't eat Chinese food for a long, long time. A long time. My point of my little simple story is this, that they're eating this and somebody says, hey, something's wrong. And they're pretty plain. They said, there's death in the pot not just a few sour peas we got death in the pot Elisha says bring me some meal they throw a handful of meal into the pot stir it out and said now dip out to them again <laughs> um, I'm good <laughs> I'm good you can't even imagine how full I am right now I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied Dip out to them again. We have to trust him. They had to trust Elisha, but they really had to trust, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, they had to trust Jesus because he is the bread that was cast into that pot to neutralize that poison. So can we trust him? Yes, we can. And those school of prophets, you talk about glad they showed up for today's lesson. What a powerful thing. I believe, Brother Everett, this was talked about for generations. I was there when it happened. I was there when people started breaking out in cold sweats. I was there when somebody used the word death and they said death is in the pot. I watched the man of God call for the handful of meal. I watched him cast it into the pot and stir it out. I was sitting there when he poured my bowl out again and dipped and we began to eat and everything was all right. Can I tell you today, amen, that this world needs, I know we can make a long, long list of what we think the world needs, but can I tell you the world needs what we're doing right here today. Right here today. Amen. We're going to just cast a little Jesus in this situation. Take him to work with you tomorrow. Make sure he's in your home tomorrow. Make sure he's in your car. Make sure he's in your mind. Make sure he's in your heart. Amen. Let's stand together if we can. Thank you, Jesus. You see, we will either feed off of the life-giving word of God or will feed off the poisonous message of the world. Can I tell you, you're going to eat somewhere today and you're going to eat somewhere tomorrow. You're going to eat somewhere the next day. We got to make up our mind which table we're going to pull up to, what our diet's going to be. Amen. Paul said to the church at Rome he said for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be we're going to, we're going to have to decide 
If you're after the flesh, you're going to be minding the things of the flesh. But if you're after the Spirit, you're going to be minding the things of the Spirit. Now just walk with me for another minute. We've all felt that tug in our heart that said, I need to pray, and I need to pray right now. Amen. It was the Spirit that said, feed me. It was the Spirit that said, feed me. There have been times that we have just longed to just read the Word of God, read something, read a scripture, read something. Amen. It was the Spirit that was crying out that says, feed me. But if you ignore that, we'll feed something and it'll be the wrong thing. It'll be the wrong thing. Amen. Can we magnify the Lord together? Praise God. Can we just gather perhaps around the front? Let's sing. He's all I need. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.